Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, my name is Stuart Miles and welcome to the Pocket podcast. If you thought DSLR cameras were a thing of the past, think again. Canon has just launched a new one, a mid-range offering under the guise of the EOS 90D. We talk to our in-house camera guy, reviews editor Mike Lowe, to discuss whether it's something you should be excited about, or whether they really have had their day. And fresh back from Gamescom, Pocket Lint's Rick Henderson caught up with Jordan Woodward, the lead level designer at Rebellion, to talk about the company's new game, Zombie Army 4 Dead War, subscriptions, and the wider discussion about in-game upgrades. And Britta joins me to discuss three of the best compatible products for Google Home to allow you to use Google Assistant to control your smart home and beyond. So, Mike, back to you. Tell us more about the Canon announcement. Uh, so, it's perhaps no surprise that Canon, being a camera company, has launched some more cameras, but it's uh, it's been a little while. It's been a couple of years. Um, I think a lot of people have been looking at things like DSLRs as if they've kind of slowed down to a crawl or just vanished and aren't really bought by people but Canon's take is different and uh, the 90D um, it kind of goes down the route of basically playing the megapixel race game once again so uh, it's got a very high resolution sensor um, 32 megapixels so 32 million pixels Um, and I think that's really kind of what's separating the more enthusiast and, and pro kind of market compared to Really, what people are, are using these days are just phones in their pockets, right? So, yeah, Canon is really going right. This gives you greater flexibility in terms of cropping into an image. Um, you can print much larger if that's your interest. And you know, I, I really don't think cameras are dead. I think it, it just seems people seem to have that perception because I guess you see fewer around, but there's still a great application for them because what you can do with them is just so dramatically different in in terms of their capabilities, really. And so who do you think the 90D is going to be for? Like, If I'm thinking, I'm listening to this and think, right, do I, does that, is that me? Should I go and buy it? Who, who's, the, who's best, so best out there for this? Canon's official marketing line would be it's for enthusiasts. Um, so don't consider it to be pro as such, although it's got a lot of professional grade features, frankly. So, I mean, really, it's if you want to do that a little bit more, um, if you're looking at subjects where they're moving quickly, for example, um, if you want that extra resolution so you can, you know, you can crop in or if you want to print things. Um, but where an enthusiast camera kind of sets itself apart from something lower down in the range, is it tends to be a bit quicker. You get like a faster buffer. So a bigger burst rate you can shoot off, um, I think, up to 11 frames per second with this. So it's pretty, pretty quick considering that resolution mm. particularly. Um, it just offers that versatility that you really just won't find from simpler products and also there's a whole range of lenses so they're not cheap but if you get the right one then it gives you a whole kind of different view onto the world be that a a wider angle or a zoom and really the the quality that you're going to get is just streets apart from from what you're going to see from what's in your pocket ultimately and yes it's a bit bigger but if you're dedicated and you're enthusiastic about photography ultimately 
that's really who who this camera is for. Now you've you've played with one already, one of the lucky yeah. few. Uh, yeah. What was the standout feature for you that you think? Oh, this is you know they've really nailed this. This is great. Well, the interesting thing. It, so I think it was twenty sixteen. The eighty D came out, and that then was you know pretty much unrivaled. Um, the ninety D kind of takes the shell of that model. It doesn't doesn't dramatically change what it's about. The focus system is basically the same, but it was great then. It's still great now. So. Being able to focus in, in very dark conditions, it, it works very, very well. Um, things that are moving around, you're not going to have a problem locking onto those. So that that's one standout thing, but it's not the new thing as such. So I think it's the resolution, you know, that's, that is the headline feature here. That is really what they're going for. Um, and trying to keep the market open to, to a wider audience, it can do 4K video as well. So you, you get that wider range and they're finally canon is showing that it's it knows there's a market for, for 4k in a more consumer context um because previously it, it omitted it from so many of its products and now it's like right you can do high quality video you can do super massive stills um and it's all just in the palm of your hand really so that for me the resolution is is the standout feature that certain people will benefit from greatly and now, how much does it cost to be an enthusiast? What's the price of this thing? <laughs> yeah, so I've only just looked this up actually, and it was it's twelve hundred and nine pounds just for the body. So it's certainly not cheap. But then, if you're an enthusiast, you'll buy all kinds of things that will cost you a grand. Really, you know, you think about the latest iPhone or Android phone; it's nine 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 upwards often. So, you know, if you really care and you want that tool that can do a certain thing that can capture shots that you really want, then it kind of becomes an indispensable thing. So not cheap, but, you know, that is kind of par for the cause, especially when you add the lenses. Now, just to confuse things, yeah. I always think that the biggest challenge in DSLR is not necessarily from smartphones because I don't think we're there yet with no. those, yeah. uh, certainly from a DSLR point of view, but we are with mirrorless, and I understand Canon launched a mirrorless camera as well. Is that, does that confuse the issue or is that still some quite simple cut and dry sort of thinking? Uh, I think that's a tricky question to answer, perhaps for <laughs> the public, because like mirrorless cameras have been around for quite a long time now. It's probably been a decade. Um, Canon hasn't been into it for that long. Um, I think if you walked into a, a store, if that's how you're even going to purchase something like this, there's been a greater drive in trying to sell mirrorless cameras because it's the new and exciting thing. You know, it's all electronic. Um, you don't get optical viewfinders and such like. So I think they're aimed at different people, really, having used both side by side and the, the camera they launched is the um, EOS M6 Mark II. Um, it's a bit cheaper. Body is 869. Um, doesn't have a viewfinder, so you use it through the screen at all times. It's a bit smaller. It has a different lens mount. Um, it's actually a bit faster, so you can shoot up to 14 frames a second. And... It's just a different proposition. And for me, I don't like it as much because I just find it a little bit more fussy to use. But if you're kind of new coming to it, and I'd say it's almost like a step down from enthusiast, enthusiast, it's perhaps more accessible to those who are a bit newer to it and are looking to just play around with, with technology in a, in a different way. Still to come, Britta talks to us about the best Google Home compatible products for you. Oh, tricky to put them into order. Um, I think that probably Sonos is third on my list. They recently added Google Assistant support. Um, we were waiting a really long time for that. 
UK developer Rebellion is one of the biggest independent games companies in the world and has a long pedigree of top-notch games which have helped it carve out a niche in an industry normally dominated by big publishers and brands. Its next game will be Zombie Army 4 Dead War, the latest in its popular sister franchise to the Sniper Elite games. Pocalint's Rick Henderson caught up with the lead level designer Jordan Woodward during Gamescom to find out more about the game, his thoughts on subscription gaming, and those all-important in-game upgrades that usually cost you an arm and a leg. Let's start by, by talking about the Zombie Army trilogy and now the fourth one, yeah. and how it's all germinated and what it actually is for people that might not already understand the game. Okay, so we're at Zombie Army 4 now. Um, Basically, it started with Zombie Army 1 and 2, which were spin-offs of the Sniper Elite franchise. So, they were originally titled Sniper Elite Zombie Army. Um, they were massively successful and gained quite a cult fan-favourite following. Uh, then, that naturally spurred us on to create Zombie Army 3, which was more of a standalone game in its own right, uh, with its own uh, specialised storyline. And, uh, well, fans were basically asking for more. And it was it was a really natural fit for us to go to Zombie Army 4 um, with a completely new setting to the franchise. And what's bigger and better with it with the fourth outing? So basically, we've just given everyone who's our fans what they want from the franchise. Um, we've added a lot more depth, a lot more story. We've had a lot more features, uh, such as our perk system, special melee attacks, a lot more character customization. Um, basically allowed people to play the series in, their, in the way they like to play it um, and focusing very heavily on four-player co-op experience but still staying true to the solo experience as well. The way that Rebellion is set up, does that allow you to directly feedback with your, have direct feedback with your, um, your fans and therefore draw in that, that natural sort of organic kind of changes to look for? Yeah, very much. So. Uh, being an independent company it allows us a lot of freedom so we don't have any shareholders or publisher or parent company so we can very much easily listen to our fans and our community we've got our own community forums discord we engage quite heavily on social media directly with our community and the community can jump in discord and have a chat with developers as well um, and we, we the developers read the forums and yeah, we, we take all the feedback on board and it does allow us to make what the fans are looking for and what we'd like to make. And also, does that allow you to make the games that you want to make? Yeah, it does. It really does. Um, we, we have a ton of freedom um, to stay true to the franchise and uh, our fans basically want more of what they, what they love and we aren't uh, forced to reinvent the wheel. Um, we can basically provide people with the experience they expect and love of the franchise and just provide some extra detail, some more features and depth. Yeah, it's, a, it's just taking the franchise up another level really. Is that is that the same for Rebellion with all of its IPs? Is that you, you can just keep keep reinvesting in them because they have actually been very successful? Yeah, I think it is. I think that's, that's quite true of all our franchises and uh, our development teams are bringing their experience from the other franchises onto Zombie Army 4 as well. So a lot of the dev team for Sniper Elite 4 and Strange Brigade or even Zombie Army Trilogy are, are working on Zombie Army 4 as well. 
So that experience does trickle down and all those, all those games we've made in the past have all been learning experiences and we've gained feedback from the community and listened to that. And yeah, it's allowed us to get to this point basically. As the, as the industry is, it's more an industry kind of question, as the industry is developing and, and expanding, one of the big sort of like things that have come out of E3 and Gamescom this year are subscription based models. Yeah. And as an independent company, is that kind of, um, it, does it help you get a, a wider reach to be part of, because Strange Brigade was very much part of Game Pass, for example. Right. Um, does that help you get a wider reach, do you think? Um, yeah, it probably does. I mean, I think the industry is probably um, going generally in that direction. It, I guess it helped for Strange Brigade, but it's kind of uh, beyond beyond uh, what I do. Yeah, uh, it's more of a more of a business decision, I guess. Yeah, so, uh, yeah. I suppose. But, it, uh, but as a um, as a games fan yourself, yeah. do you like the idea of subscription models where you can get as many games as you like? That, um, yeah, I do. Uh, I, I've, I mean, I've got like uh, PlayStation Plus, yeah, um, and I think that's great for you know just grabbing a grabbing a free game every month that you wouldn't usually pick up and play. Um, and I mean, Sniper Elite's on PlayStation Plus at the minute, Sniper Elite Four, and I think that's uh, that's allowed a whole new host of fans to discover yeah. our game that probably um, might, well might might have not originally thought that that game is for them, but would have quite happily picked it up and enjoyed it. Um, are there any other modes in, zomb in the zombie uh, in four that um, like survival modes and things like that? So we haven't announced anything other than campaign, right? Uh, currently, um, but I don't think our fans are going to be disappointed with what they see in Zombie Army. You've also mentioned before that there are sort of like unlockables and, and secrets to be found within mm -hmm. the game and Easter eggs. Yeah. Um, but also, I noticed there's quite a lot of character customization on the front end, mm -hmm. where you can change your, change the way your weapons, even uh, your loadout, yeah. you can change certain perks and certain abilities. Mm -hmm. um, are they unlockable within the game? Can you get everything from playing the game? Yeah. So you can get everything from playing the game. Um, we don't lock off any of the weapons. You, you pretty much pick your weapon you like the most and you can either uh, upgrade that weapon fully and commit to that weapon or you can spread your upgrades between all of your weapons. The idea is we're not forcing anyone down any sort of player class route. We want people to uh, be comfortable with playing the game how they like to play it and uh, choose the upgrades and the perks that they kind of feel that provides them the best gameplay experience and we'd like players to have the conversation with their friends while playing that, and, uh, that comp and choose choose perks and upgrades that complement each other. So during the four-player co-op experience, you might have someone who puts most of their upgrades into the rifle, and then uh, another friend who puts their upgrades into the shotgun, and then they can cover each other and they they can play differently in the same environment but still complement each other. So it's about providing freedom to basically enjoy the game how people want to enjoy it, and uh, that's they can change that at any time as well. So it's playing with all the tools we're providing. Um, what formats are you coming out on? It's coming out on Xbox, PlayStation, and PC. Um, any plans for a Switch or a Stadia version? The uh, there's nothing been announced right now, but uh, Rebellion's uh, been experimenting with the Switch. Um, V3 is coming out, yeah. uh, Sniper Elite 3 is coming out on the Switch. 
Brilliant. Thanks, John. Thanks, Rick. You love Google Assistant, but how can you use it in your life more? Britta has connected in from her super intelligent smart home to tell us her three favorite smart home devices that use Google Assistant, but of a mouthful I know, to help you get more things done around the home. Whether that's telling GA to play your favorite music, dim the lights, ask it to help out cooking that epic meal, or just checking the Amazon guy has delivered your package, there are plenty of devices to enrich your Google Home experience. Which one should you go for? Are they any good? And, well, how do you separate the rubbish from the amazing? Britta, you're here. You're going to help us out. What's your third favorite Google Home compatible device that everybody listening should go out and get? Oh, tricky to put them into order. Um, I think that probably Sonos is um, third on my list. Um, They recently added Google Assistant support. Um, We were waiting a really long time for that. I think it took a good year and a little bit for that to come. Finally, now is that on? Is that on everything? On all of the? If you've got any Sonos speaker ever? So if you've got the older ones, uh, Play Bar, Play Five from 2015, Play One, any of those will work as long as you have a Google Assistant device, such as Google Home Mini, Google Home, Google Home, or the Nest Hub display, as it's now called, it used to be called Home Hub. Um, they they will all. You can ask Google Assistant to play music on any of those older Sonos speakers. There's also Sonos do their own Google Assistant speaker with Alexa as well. And that's in the Beam and the Sonos One. Both of those, you wouldn't need an extra Google Assistant device. So you could potentially buy a Sonos One and then use that to control the rest of your smart home as well. There are a couple of features missing, but not many. Um, So at least you you sort of have the main control of what you would want to do that with. Um, so that's, they're fab for that. Uh, the assistant support means that you can, you don't have to go into the Sonos app. You can literally just say, play Capital FM or whichever radio station or whichever artist you'd like to play onto, on, on your Sonos speakers. And then it will play with whatever you have grouped already. So if you've got a kitchen speaker and then you group it, um, with your dining room speaker, for example, it would automatically play on those two speakers. But if they're not grouped, it'll only play on one of them. Uh, so you'd have to then group it in the app. It won't group it through Google Assistant. But it's great if you've got them grouped already. What's uh, number two? What's your what's your suggestion of getting if you're going Google Home? Number two, I think, would actually be Nest. Um, the Nest products naturally are compatible with Google Home because Google owns Nest. Um, but they are they work seamlessly they're absolutely brilliant with them I have the home hub in my kitchen or the nest hub in my kitchen and um, we have the nest hello doorbell and it's great when you want the baby to not be woken up by the doorbell so you can ask the nest hub to show you the door the front door of the delivery man's sort of when 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 you're checking to see whether he's coming or not um, but you can also do that, the same thing with your Nest cams as well. So you can say, show me the living room, show me the bedroom or wherever you have cameras. And then you can make sure that, or you can see it without having to go into the Nest app um, or the Google app if you've migrated over already. So great if you've got young kids and you need to check to see whether they're sleeping, yeah, messing around, or whether you've gone out and you want to check the mother-in-law's actually <laughs> doing looking after the children rather than just hitting the gin. I have done that occasionally, yet <laughs> she um she likes to sit on our sofa and watch our TV, mm. which is always good. <laughs> <laughs> busted. 
yeah, we get alerts when she goes upstairs. So I know whether she's uh, carrying the baby downstairs when she's not supposed to be as well. <laughs> so that's always fun. There we go. Look at the um, surveillance surveillance house that <laughs> the, the Britta lives in. <laughs> Hopefully she doesn't listen to this. <laughs> okay, so you've 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 managed to uh, you've managed to chill out to some tunes. You've checked on the on the babysitter to make sure they're doing what's happening, what they say they're doing. What's uh, what's the number one uh, number one product you think you should get if you if you want to upgrade your Google Home experience? So number one, I'd actually say the IKEA trudge free. I think it's actually pronounced trudd free, which is. Um, the Swedish is Swedish, of course, because IKEA is Swedish. Um, they have smart lights. Now they don't have as many options as you'd find with Philips Hue. Uh, of course, you can you could use Philips Hue as well with Google, but the IKEA smart lights and the plugs are really quite good for the money that you pay for them. We have the we have the plugs in our living room for some fairy lights and a lamp, and we have all of the. GU10 bulbs in our kitchen and they're great for being able to just turn your lights on where you want them on without having to get up I know it's a bit lazy but part no, of no I'm a big I'm a big fan of smart smart lights <laughs> in my house that's just uh yeah you can't really beat a smart light really uh, but the, but the price that they cost they the value for money is absolutely brilliant there are a couple of features missing with them in that you can't control them from outside of your ho- house through if you're not on your Wi-Fi network, you can't control the lights or the plugs from the IKEA app, but you can do it through Google. So actually, Google Home acts as a sort of second, like it is, it makes it better. So like a bridge, better. effectively. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Um, so that's great because it means that you can sort of turn them on if you wanted to from wherever you are, if you just want to show that someone's home. It's a shame that the IKEA app doesn't allow it itself, but but as you can do it through Google, it's not really a massive issue. Um, and they they work brilliantly with Google Home, and it always it never really has an issue for turning them off. Turning them off. Can you use the IKEA lights with Google Home for sort of uh, timers and you know when you're away and if you've got because you've got if you're using it through a Google device as well, can you you know to say right well yeah, if I leave can. and geo fence stuff so when I you know when I get home. Uh, you know, 50, 50 yards before I get home, I can, you know, the lights will all come on so I don't walk into a dark house. Can you do all that as well? Yeah, you can. You can set up routines and things like that through it or you can just go into the Google Home app and press light, press the light button, which is really simple. It's right at the top. And then you can just say, turn all lights on or turn kitchen on or turn living room on or however many you happen to have. And they'll eventually, like it will just turn them on from the from the app. But you can set up routines whereby you can say, Okay, Google bedtime, which it's going to do now in my house. But suddenly it would turn pitched off. into darkness. <laughs> it's going to turn. Thankfully, it's daylight. It's going to turn. It will turn off anything you set up to turn off. So you could turn your music off. You could turn your lights off, and and it will sort of dim like any displays and stuff like that. So it's a great experience if you have it all set up properly. And the plugs, the plugs are like ten pounds, I think. Um, which are brilliant for when it comes to lamps and all that kind of thing. And actually they launched a speaker. They've launched two speakers with Sonos. So that ties them in nicely. But one of them is a lamp, which would allow you could put a smart one of their fraud-free lamps into the speaker lamp. And then you could get the smart, you can get a smart, smarter experience than what it delivers already. So those IKEA and Sonos lamp um, speakers, sorry, are, 
compatible with Google Assistant anyway, so they don't have them built in, but you can still use a Google Mini or a Home Mini, rather, or a Home or Nest Hub to control those speakers. Having talked to you for the last uh, seven or or so minutes, uh, it seems very clear to me that you are a massive Google Assistant, Google Home fan. Uh, and probably have got more Google controls in your house than most people. What is, uh, is the final question? What is the one like key instruction that you love saying to Google that just has changed everything, like has made it so worthwhile doing? Well, I don't do as much as my husband does, but he loves to say, okay, Google, turn on the, I'm not going to say the word because it's naughty, um, lights, and then all the lights come on in our house. But he does swear at it. He does swear at it. And um, and it does it. And it's great because it just carries on doing its thing. And now it's talking to me in my living room, which is obviously great because I've just said the wake word. So. <laughs> um, and all my lights have just come on. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> My, uh, this is a, a tiny bit of insight to the crazy world of developers. Um, the Pocalint developer, <laughs> his dog is called Google. And so his, his wife uh, bought, him, uh, bought him Google Home, yeah. I think it was, even the Home Mini or one of those ones. And so now he's, he, obviously they have Google Home in their house. And so they're saying, you know, every time he says, okay, Google, uh, the dog <laughs> just gets very excited. <laughs> blessing because that's the name of his dog as well so anyway with that charming note thank you very much britta that's it for this week if you've enjoyed the show can you please give us a five-star rating on the podcast platform you're listening on it really will help raise our profile and let others know you liked it too until next friday pip pip Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.